I still listen to some of those songs like they came right. out, you I know, too. 10 minutes ago, even though they didn't. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder like, you know, I remember like being, I just, th- I just like the idea of you turning on classic rock and regulators from uh, Warren G are going <laughs> to be on there. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to episode 62 of The Mashup, the best bourbon conversation you're going to hear all week long. We're your hosts, Michael, Anthony, and Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Oh, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Yourself? Hey, are you having a conversation with yourself over there? Well, you know, I always start off with you. I figure I'll start off with someone else. Oh, nice. That's me. Well, I don't feel that bad. I like it. It's kind of it's kind of nice. You have a conversation with yourself. I'm not worried about you at all. It's completely normal. <laughs> completely normal. <laughs> That's what I tell myself. Yeah. So I had one of those weird moments that you're thinking, oh, geez, I'm getting old. Oh. Yeah. So uh, just to put this in perspective for people, you have these milestones as you move on through life. Let's say you... Maybe you graduate high school. You're like, oh, crap, you know, the real world's ahead of me. Yeah. Or maybe you get your first job, first real job after college. Yeah, not the uh, McDonald's. Right. Yeah. Or maybe you, you know, you hit 25, you know, well, I got an insurance discount. Or maybe when you get married or when you have first kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, something hit me that is making me feel old. Oh, no, I can't wait to hear this. So I go between the channels, you know, between what I like to listen to and what I think the kids should listen to. Oh, okay. And so I do a lot of classic rock. Ah. And I'm starting to get a pickup on the classic rock that things of my youth are starting to go into classic rock. <laughs> so what kind of uh, bands are we talking about So, here? you know, the standard, like, you know, Journey, Foreigner, yeah. you know, uh, Rush, they're all kind of in the classic rock realm. Well, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, Sweet Child of Mine kind of got in there. I'm oh, like, yeah, well, that's, that's yeah. late 80s, you know. Yeah. That's fine. Driving home Easter Sunday from the oh. family. This was almost back to back. They played a Bush song. Oh, no. And then they followed up with a Black Crow song. <laughs> oh, no. That's like, those are like early 90s. So that got me thinking. So I yeah. searched. I forgot what Bush song was. I searched Bush. And that was a 94 song. That was 24. Freaking eight years ago. Oh, God, please. Was it Machine Head? Was it like, God, Machine no. Head? Okay. I forgot. No, what it was. wasn't that one. So, Glycerine. Glycerine. There that. you go. Yeah. So, Couldn't change if I wanted to. Okay. I just searched on Google top rock songs of 90, 94. Okay. And then the top songs of 94. Oh, God. This is going to be a trip down memory lane. I might have to. <laughs> so, I'm not going to go through all these, but we'll go through like the top 10. Hard time containing myself here. Yeah. You better watch so, out and start singing along. And this is just a straight Google results search. So well, I don't, if it's on Google, it's got to be correct. So right? I, I like that's, that's how you do everything, Google. So I'm just going to read these. Okay. All right. These are 94 rock songs. Oh, gosh. Black Hole Sun. Yeah. Stay by Lisa Loeb. Oh. Interstate Love Song. Temple Pilots. Yep. Yeah. Uh, What's the Frequency, Kenneth by R.E.M. Oh, man. Michael Stipe. Zombie. Cranberries. When I Come Around, Green Day. That's a good one. I like that one a lot. Come Out and Play by Offspring. Oh, such an underrated band. Basket Case, Green Day. More Green Day. Buddy Holly, Weezer. Oh. And Better Man by yeah. Pearl Jam. And so if you just want to quickly go through these, maybe some top other ones that might have been there that you're like, oh, uh, No Excuses by Alice in Chains. Oh, man. Oh, dude, this is just too much for me. I'm um, like a rush here. So you're saying we're old, but we're cool, though, because these uh, are our songs, man. Closer by Nine Inch Nails. That's a... That's when Trent Reznor is really dark. Mm-hmm. Has he changed a lot? No, he's still pretty dark. Loser by Beck. 
That was a good one. Yeah. Oh. So that was the rock songs from 94. And I think the 90s were interesting because that was kind of like, you kind of had the 70s getting near the end of their career that was probably still producing some music in the early 90s. Yeah. You had the, you know, hair metal from the 80s to the grunge era to the rap transition yeah. to the, you know, 2000s. So the 90s were a pretty, especially the early to mid 90s. All right. So these An are the, amazing time. Amazing time. I, I mean, come on. It's not underrated. Okay. What do we got now? That's why, you know, we say when I was in high school, that was the best music. <laughs> back, back, back when I was in high school. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're going to be saying that soon. I said that something to my kids the other day. I said, but I was young and I was like, oh, my God. What do you mean when I was young? I'm still young. Now, top songs of 94. Mm. Um, I swear, all for one. Oh, my God. I think I dedicated that to like a, a girl I liked in sixth grade or something. Uh, Stay by Lisa Loeb. She made two. Uh, Another Night by The Real McCoy. Oh, another night, another dream, but always you. Yeah. All right. Baby, I Love Your Way by Big Mountain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Always by Bon Jovi. Oh, was I, bon Jovi gone soft by then. Yeah, that was probably, near, that's what I was saying, by the, yeah. probably the tail end of his career, really. Even mm. though he's still around now. Was that I be, I'll Be There For You? Which one was that? Always. Always. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, okay, yeah. Then uh, I'll Remember by Madonna. Regulators by Warren G. Oh, Nate Dogg. I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. And rounding out top 10 is Fantastic Voyage by uh, Coolio. Coolio. <laughs> so some other, you know, other ones to think, oh, goodness. Man, this is just, you're killing me right now in a good way. I'm excited because I'm taking this trip mentally down memory lane. And I'm, you know, I want to sing every single one of these songs that you're putting out there. Uh, another one is Tootsie Roll. By 69 Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Functified by DeBrat. Oh, Sabotage yeah. by Beastie Boys. Oh, I I tried to recreate the sabotage thing with my college buddies. Oh, gosh. Back with squirt guns, though. Like, we'd drive around like the... It was like a part on campus yep. where there's a quad. And we'd drive in the car and jump out with squirt guns, like, blaring that music and, like, squirt people and run away. And it was it was pretty funny with mustaches and everything on, like, sunglasses and just like the video. Yeah. So uh, how do you feel about this? Well, you're making me feel old. If this made you feel old, I'm starting to think now, like I still listen to some of those songs like they came right. out you know, too. 10 minutes ago, even though they didn't. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder like, you know, I remember like being, I just, th- I just like the idea of you turning on classic rock and regulators from uh, Orange E are going <laughs> to be on there. <laughs> are they going to induct a uh, pop? Well, you know, it's other sad too. Maybe think about that when you think about getting old, like a lot of the people on those lists, like you mentioned Soundgarden, Chris Cornell's, of course, gone. Right. Stone Temple Pilots, no more Scott Wine. Right. Like uh, Nate Dogg has is, is passed. I mean, there's so many people on that list that don't, they shouldn't be that old. I know they probably passed before their time, but it's like maybe they can be posthumously inducted into Rock and Roll Hall mm-hmm. of Fame. I hope you're listening, Cleveland. <laughs> we need all those people in the Hall of Fame regardless. So, yeah, I had to bring that up tonight because uh, well, it's it, just, you know, hit me, hit me driving home the other day. It's a good topic. And did, do your kids like any of those songs? Because I can get my daughter to listen to him. My son is like, this is stupid. But I did. I haven't listened to Quad City DJ's old Space Jam song for the first movie. <laughs> Everybody get up. He's listening to that nonstop now. <laughs> Time to jam now. It's like, come on, man. No, they, they, uh, I think my son more than my oldest daughter, uh, he'll sing, he'll sing the songs. Okay. But he's got a big mix. He's got like uh, some of the adult contemporary <laughs> yeah. to some of the, he was singing some of the classic rock songs <laughs> and uh, he's, I, it's like, I hear this echo in the back. 
And he's like singing like real quiet, looking out the window. You can just see him mumbling the words. And see, he'll have to thank you for that because I can, one thing you're saying about making you feel old, but I do remember riding around. My dad would listen to a lot of Motown and Mm -hmm. 70s rock and stuff. And it was kind of funny because there were times like, I hate this. He's like, well, I don't like the stuff you listen to. He's like, I can't relate to this rap music. I'm like, okay, dad. Yeah, totally. Like those are my kids. That's our kids now. You know, yeah, they're going to be putting is. up with us trying to listen to this stuff. Like when I'm in the garage, like with my kids and they're right around the front yard, I got classic station on. So that's all I'm listening to. So, so before we get into our bottle tonight, we had one additional review on Apple podcast is from Bill C in Virginia beach. Thank you, Bill C. You said some really nice stuff. In fact, the one thing that you said that really stood out to us was you speak with us instead of at us, which makes the show very enjoyable. Thanks for all you do and keep up the great work. Well, we appreciate that, Bill. And yeah. just like I said in a previous episode, if we make it to Virginia Beach, look out because we're coming to see you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, remember, if you want, like, if you would like a shout out, just give us a, a review on Apple Podcast. And next time we record, we'll give you a shout out for sure. And for this week, we have a bottle of Little Book chapter three so this is exciting um so you guys might recognize uh, this one because it's an annual release in the fall but we have little book chapter three called the road home and the distillery is jim beam of course parent beam suntory the bottle date is 2019 the abv on this one is 61.3 percent and the proof is 122.6. This sounds very familiar. I think we did a bottle recently. Where I it was think just week. last week. Just last week. Oh, my goodness. That's very ironic. What are the odds to have two barrel proof, the same proof? The age statement on this is actually, um, it's not age stated, but they tell you exactly what's in the blend. So it's a blend of 9, 11, and 12-year-old bourbon. So for those of you who don't know, if you're counting, if there were an age statement on this, it's always the lowest year that's in the bottle. So that would be a nine-year. Um, bourbon. It's a mixture of two different mash bills. So the 77% corn, 13% rye, and 10% malted barley, which is typically used in the Knob Creek and uh, Booker's. And then there's also the 63% corn, 27% rye, and 10% malted barley, which is typical of the Basil Hayden's slash Old Granddad recipes that you see coming from Jim Beam. And the MSRP on this guy is $125. Well, it's quite expensive. Indeed. But what do you get for all that expense? Well, you get another wooden box, this time stained. Yes, stained a nice, what would you say, it's black. Either it's, yeah, it's mahogany oil stain. It looks it looks nice, and it's embossed on the one side. It has a logo. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, it says very prominently. Little book. Little book. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. When I first saw little book, I was like, what's the book? Like, I don't get it. I just, I didn't really get it. And then... Little Black Book? Little Black Book. Fifty Shades Book? Ooh. Yeah. What are we talking about here? Let's talk about that bottle because it kind of has some, what, resemblance to the Booker's bottle that we looked at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't remember exactly what it looked like, but for all intents and purposes, purposes, it's kind of the same label. Yeah. I mean, the bottom, bottom label actually is slightly different, but this top with the black wax and the ribbon mm-hmm. it had that on the bookers right didn't have the same kind of ribbon i think it did i don't remember and then they give you this nice little hang tag with gold accents that tells you what's in here and i just want to mention this because when i went through the mash bills and stuff i didn't tell you this but it says this is a mixture of nine-year-old basil hayden's nine-year knob creek 11-year bookers and 12-year bakers which 
I think Baker's is always age stated that's seven years. So that's interesting. Oh, wow. That's twelve year Baker's. Yeah. But um, and then cool. I also noticed something interesting on the front of this bottle. Ah, uh, it looks looks very similarly to our um, podcast logo. <laughs> <laughs> and this was not intentional. This was definitely not intentional. Because so. when we were doing that, <laughs> we were going down one path and we quickly shifted to a different path. Yes. Just to make sure we didn't have any copyright infringements. Yes, 100%. And so it was, we were not thinking of this bottle whatsoever when we did that. Do you, <laughs> do you think the person that helped us with the logo is secretly a, a little book fan? Because the seal that we have does look so much like the seal that they have in the bottle that's almost like... It's it's crazy. You know what? Yeah. If Max in Romania is listening, huge <laughs> shout out. Go Max. <laughs> You're the man. And stop drinking so much little book. It's influencing the way that you do your graphic design. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. This is a really cuz we like to talk about if a bottle catches your eye. And I think one of the biggest I don't want to call it a mistake because Jim Beam people might nail me here. But if you walk into a store and saw this next to bookers on the shelf in the box would you even know there was two different bourbons sitting there the bookers box is a natural wood isn't it it is it's definitely lighter and there's some differences with the plastic window that you have on the front here but if you're looking right on the shelf you're only going to notice if you're up close if you're far away you're going to think oh they might have bookers over there you're probably not going to think little book off the bat me personally uh it's very confusing the two names yeah it's a little bit too much book but of course they're proud of um this is all paying an homage to um, Booker No, who's, right. you know, we haven't even talked at all yet. We'll talk here shortly about Freddie, but Freddie's Booker's grandson. And of course, Fred No is Booker's son. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the Bookers that you see naming, it comes from that long lineage of paying, you know, respects to the man himself. To answer your question, I would say that, I mean, yes, it does catch your eye. It's in a wooden box. I mean... Right there, I was going to catch my eye. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing I'm going to say is, for whatever reason, when I look at this bottle, the way that the label is, they both have that sort of like uh, cursive writing, mm-hmm. but it's bigger on the Booker's bottle. And I like the way this one's sort of offset. So it's kind of a diagonal, the way the label is. I don't think I remember it being like that with Booker's. And so I think it kind of makes it almost look classier. No offense to to those of you who might think Booker's is the greatest looking bottle in the world, but I think that somehow or another the little book like edges it by a little bit. I mm-hmm. just think it looks more elegant and more nice and I don't know, expensive and modern. That's what it reminds me of. I think the uh, the seal looks really nice on it. Kind of gives that you know it's it's obviously three D. It's on the bottle itself, so yeah. it kind of gives it this nice depth and um, different material look to it as well. Yeah, and you, just so you know, if you try really hard, you can wrench that seal right off the bottle. <laughs> just speaking from experience, I like. I had this weird thing where I like to pull things off of bottles. So you know, like Blue Run, the one with the butterfly on uh-huh. it. I have wrenched so many oh butterflies off the Blue Run, and I'm going to do something with those one day. I'm going to make like custom Blue Run merch. Not to get too far off talking about them, but maybe I could wrench all these seals of wax off and make a custom Jim Beam apparel too. You can put them on your shoes. Getting a little bit off. That's right. Oh, (laughs) you know, I thought about that. I'm going to make some custom shoes using some of my bourbon paraphernalia. I can do that. That's totally something I could rock. We'll put it on our store. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, should we go for our first notes? Sure. So this is a 2019. So this has obviously uh, been open for a while. Yeah. I think I picked it up right there in the fall. This is is lovely. Yeah. It didn't wait long to open it. I'll tell you that much. And it's, I mean, a huge amount of baking, baking spice butterscotch yeah i mean 
I feel like I'm getting famous for this one, but it's definitely got a heavy vanilla note too. But yeah, the butterscotch. Yeah, it, is, it is a really strong vanilla. Yeah, but the butterscotch, like you said, that's the first thing that yeah, kind of hits it your hits nose. Yeah, it hits you right there. And it's um, and for 122, there is no ethanol. Yeah, you don't. You know how I think? I think I actually said this during the Booker's episode. I said if you don't watch when you're nosing Booker's, you might burn something in your yeah, mouth. Yeah, your nose. yeah, yeah. This and is not, the opposite. This is the opposite. It's it, almost this like is the new kid teaching yeah. the, old, the old dad what to do. Right. <laughs> that's right. You know, <laughs> hey. Get teaching old is it old dog new tricks? Yeah. I guess you really can't because he's making the bookers over there, and then Freddie's over there doing the blending. So, you know, this is really interesting because I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe because of the older bookers that may be in it. Because you know, personally, Basil Hayden is pretty boring. Yeah, the sniff, and so if that's mash bills in here, and we're getting these notes. It's quite but, a blend. But the one thing they don't tell you about though is Basil Hayden's always eighty proof, right? Right. This is all bottled at barrel strength. Oh, so that's I got to imagine whatever they're selecting to get to 122.6, you got to have stuff that's higher and stuff that's lower, but probably, you know, nothing that's, I would imagine lower or that much lower unless something's extremely high. Yeah, so I'd be bringing down the number too much. That's yeah. That's probably what, why it's smelling as lovely as it does. Getting more chocolate. I'm getting some of that barrel. I don't know if it's a light barrel char with it. Yeah, it's no, it's definitely an oaky charred mm-hmm. and smelling. I mean, it's. I'm getting a little bit of tobacco too. It's just really, uh, it just smells wonderful. I got that leather. Leather, that get some about. leather, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean. I got, I'm getting the tobacco leaves. I could smell it in the barn, like drying out. I got gotcha. you. That's the smell I smell. That's, I mean, that's accurate. I mean, this stuff is, I'm actually kind of shocked. I mean, talk later, because it's been a while since I've had this one. Of course, it's been open for a while and. That's when we're selecting bottles for these episodes. I'm looking around the shelf and I'm like, man, haven't had this one in a while. I don't remember what it tastes like <laughs> and it looks like it'd be good to share. You know what? Let's just drink Let's it. Let's just drink it. But um, while we're nosing, I wanted to quickly mention that um, Freddie No is the person who's responsible for what we're going to be drinking here tonight. Basically, for those of you guys who don't know, there's a little bit of information about Freddie on the bottle here. It nicely points out that he's an eighth generation Beam family member and he's sort of like the heir apparent to his dad. And so even though I think he's in his thirties, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he's doing some really interesting stuff. And this was actually, I think, the first thing that he did. Like he did this to sort of pay um respects to his grandfather. And um actually little book a little bit about this series debuted in two thousand seventeen. Oh wow. So that was when the first chapter, quote unquote, released. They're called each different chapter and they all have their themes. And so I don't know the exact details of each of them, but um, I do know that the first one was regarded as one of the best. But then again, um, we'll see how that stacks up because I've I've tried batch two and I think I've also tried four and I've had three. I've never had one in five. But so, yeah, so Freddie, Freddie getting in the mix here, blending stuff, which, you know, we talked a lot about blending and how anybody could take single barrels of bourbon, but to be able to blend and blend artfully and blend to taste is something that's really, um, I don't know, underrated right now in bourbon. And so we'll see when we taste this one, if it stacks up to this lovely nose we're getting. Yeah. It's kind of like when we uh, visited old Carter. Exactly. And they, and they're, they're just, they just blend. Yeah, and, and they and do a nice job. Hell of a job. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine what chapter one tastes, because I'm sure they have a lot of like, I'm sure they started off with like a lot of good backstock to blend. 
So you said people say chapter one's pretty good. I can imagine that it is. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what's in that one, but I just know that people aren't really sure what to expect because this is like the first time that Freddie's kind of putting himself out there with this special release, you know, and it's going to be like during the fall release season. And so I remember the expectations weren't that it was going to be anything amazing. It was just the opposite. People like actually flocked to buy it more so than they had with previous Beam special releases because it was it was really good. I wonder what how they determine, you know, like you said, like this book is going to be, you know, maybe this flavor themed or these mash bill themes or I, mean, I guess maybe let's go by what what barrels were good that year. I would think so, but man, you know as well as I do, they got so much stuff aging out there that that it's kind of like I mean, I can imagine Freddie's probably like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> yeah, like hey, I got the pick of all these great barrels. I mean, where do I start? But again, how do you take four different barrels and two different recipes or four different stocks of barrels? Because of course they produce a lot of this, so it's not like it's going to be just four barrels. It's you know going to be multiple of a lot and come up with something that's a pretty big and consistent blend. It's pretty pretty hefty feat there. So you said you had chapter two. Yes. Okay. Let's let's do our uh, 2018 theory here. Yes. How was chapter two? I remember liking it so much that I went and got another bottle of it <laughs> because the first <laughs> bottle didn't last very long. And then also, quick story and quick shout out. Uh, that year we had gone down to South Carolina for our family vacation, and I stopped by to see my buddy Kyle and um, met his buddy Ryan. So they're both part of Upstate Speakeasy. I mentioned it before, which is like a bourbon group slash club down in mm-hmm. South Carolina. And <laughs> they were pouring some pretty heavy Glen Karens of Little Book Chapter oh, 2. Wow. Like, I'm talking like four and five ounce pours. Whoa. Um, so they might not remember. I only remember <laughs> because I remember what I felt like the next day. But man, we were having a good time drinking that. So it was tasty. So, so the, the 2018 uh, year kept up then huh well yeah but here's the other thing i'll mention about that i do remember i think it had like a 40 year old canadian whiskey or rye in it oh gosh yeah so i don't i don't know where they got that from or how they got it well, down I mean, you here just found that 35 year old canadian just I know, right? <laughs> it seems like canadian whiskey is seeing a big resurgence lately but i mean um yeah it had a, it was definitely different from the first one drastically different from the first blend from what i heard because i haven't had it yet and um i liked it so now i'm excited to see again what remembering what i thought about this one well let's go for our first taste man um <laughs> i know we got a little cough over there was that an ethanol cough maybe it does hit a little bit more heavy a little in the warmer. Mouth feel, a little warmer than it smells but um i'll tell you what I, i'm just gonna give a quick kind of finger licking good <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i've ever said that before but it's kind of uh that was uh that was a nice nice sip oh this is good it's real good yeah one thing that stands out to me major here is like i would almost call it like a layered well-aged oak and so you are getting some sweet notes i can't quite put my finger on them right now um but one thing i'm definitely getting the back palate is the rye spices coming out along with yeah layered oak and i would say that leather that you mentioned on the nose is pretty prominent on the palate actually well i may have burned out my palate a little bit there okay on this on this 122 high proof gotcha yeah but i'm gonna grade you on your 
on what you just said on your taste. Oh, what do you have over there? Because on the neck tag, they have the uh, aroma and the taste notes. Oh. So I think you did pretty well on the, uh, on the taste notes. There's vanilla, char, and dried apricot with lingering oak. Oh, okay. Well, so dried apricot I didn't get. Did you get any fruit? You know, that's funny. Is Right in the beginning, I, for some reason, I thought I had cherry for a moment. I can see that. There's so, definitely some fruit going yeah. on the front palate. I and I thought maybe I was just crazy because I was getting so much. The nose was so uh, like baking forward. Yeah, I and think that's the spices. That baking spice is turning into rye spice on the back palate. Yeah. yeah. So, well, we I think we did pretty well on the on the notes there on the tasting. Well, that's a uh, that's interesting because when I looked at this tag, I didn't even notice it had tasting notes on it. Yeah, so it's on the back push, side. Ah, well, there you go. I yeah. was looking only at the front, so I didn't see it. What about finish? It's it's long. Yeah, it's definitely a long finish. It's, You're not going to be disappointed. It's enjoyable, though. Yeah. Like, it's it's a nice, it's a firm hug, but not, like, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And it, and it stays. I mean, minutes, it's there. Man, it's a it's a really nice, uh, it's it's a thicker mouthfeel, too. It's not definitely not a thin mouthfeel. It's a nice, not quite oily, though. I wouldn't describe it as oily or all coating. So with this being the 125-ish price point... And I assume it's probably on the upper end of Beam's catalog that they yeah. sell. Mm-hmm. Is it? Are they trying to compete with the BTAC? Yeah, I definitely think this is positioned to be competing with the BTAC and every other fall release for that matter. So this actually always seems to release right at the beginning of September. And so if you follow fall bourbon release schedules, that's very early. There's very few things that release late August I mean, of course, Old Forester Birthday Bourbon comes out <laughs> early in September, right? Um, I need to get me one of those. Exactly. Yeah. We all need to get one of those. And um, it's uh, so it definitely competes with a lot of the heavyweights, and it's positioned to do that. I mm-hmm. mean, since 2017, it's been coming out at that time. And I honestly think sometimes that might be to its detriment because I have seen it at least this past year, the Chapter 5 when it released, I did see it sitting for a couple weeks in certain places. That was my next question. Since it's beam, are they? Are there, is the volume that they're out that they're putting out is greater than uh, Buffalo Trace? I definitely think so. They okay. never they never release. I don't think they put like a number of how many bottles they make anywhere. Right, and then it's even more a little bit more precarious, I guess, because I've mentioned this in a previous episode, but we talked about their barrel and box program mm-hmm. where they're shipping bourbons to people now. They're going to do that four times a year. And my biggest criticism of that was the fact that the first box they released was Chapter 5 Little Book with Chapter 1 as a re-release. Yeah, I remember you telling yeah. me that. So for me, that was I was going to get it because like yeah, I yeah. was like, oh, man, there's no way I'm missing this. And then the next one that they released was like Knob Creek 15 and... Super excited. I think Babel, Basil Hayden something. Oh, like it, that's even more exciting. <laughs> so I canceled, and now their summer release says two undisclosed whiskeys that are not going to be available everywhere. So they've, they've got me on the hook again. I'm thinking about getting it, but then I'm like, what if I get it? And it's like, you know, little book chapters or something. And it's like a blend of all five. I mean, that would be pretty cool. I think if they did that, but I mean, so yes, they produce a lot of bottles. Um, if they're able to pull and like re-release chapter one, you know, five years after it's first release, then they got to have a lot of, a lot of stuff. No kidding. So, this is actually something that I could actually get, maybe. Yeah, no, you could. Because <laughs> my my luck of getting a bottle sometimes is pretty low. Yeah, but I mean, as fall release, this one is definitely attainable, especially in Kentucky, because I feel like 
that they do take care of Kentucky, which is important. Yeah. Yeah. So, Anthony, would you pass, try, or buy on the little book, chapter three? So um, here's what I will say that uh, I would buy this, especially the chapter three. I thinking back in my memory, I probably about chapter two um, as well. I don't think, and again, maybe we can review this in a future episode, but I don't think I liked four, if I remember correctly. Okay. And then I never had one in five. And so the big thing here is going to be the variance that you're going to get between each one because they are all, all so unique that you're not going to have the opportunity to to see this on the shelf and be like, well, unless it's a 2019, you might not be able to 100% trust our past try and buy here. But um, let's stick to what we're doing. I wonder what you think. So that's not bad right now. You have two out of three you said you'd buy. What was wrong with the four that you didn't like? If I remember correctly, I think that uh, old Freddie d- jumped into the uh, brown rice bourbon <laughs> they have. They have a brown rice mash bill. Remember we talked about that for Basil Hayden Toast? That's right. And, man, I don't know whose idea that was to use that as a okay. flavoring grain, but it's just it doesn't hit my palate well. Maybe other people love it, but I can just tell what it's part of a blend when I'm drinking it and not in a good way. It's not something like, oh, you want to know what you're drinking <laughs> there. Like, I don't want to throw, there's a recent bourbon. I won't throw them under the bus that was released. Okay. Everybody seems to like it. I hate it. Oh. And that's why I'm not mentioning what it is. I'm just trying to be diplomatic here. But the reason why I hate it, and I know that I hate it, is because I went to a friend's brown house. Rice? No, it's not the brown rice. Uh. This is not a bean product. This was a different product altogether. But... I got it put down in front of me during three different blinds. I could pick it every single time because I hate it. <laughs> like Jeez. It wasn't one of those where it's like, oh, we're mixing it up now. It's like, no. So I feel like if you set three glasses in front of me and one of them had the bean brown rice mash bill in it, I would just go, that's the bean brown rice mash bill. I don't like it. So I think they mm-hmm. used that in four and that's why I didn't like okay. it. Yeah. So they went hot and heavy that year with that. It's just part of the blend and yeah. you can tell it's in there and ugh. Not my favorite. Well, as far as chapter three goes, I, I think I would buy this. This is up there with, you know, some of the VTACs as far as quality. Yeah, I agree with you. So I have no, I would have no problems, you know, paying the 125 Yeah, to have a good bottle sitting back in the back of the collection to grab every once in a while. You know, you brought up one of the best points when you, when you compared it to something like VTAC. I know everybody wants to chase VTAC, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of premium style whiskeys that you can taste that are more available. Yeah, And until you try them, you don't really know how they stack up. And so I have tried George T. Stagg enough. And when I say enough, not that I'm like a George T. Stagg snob, but like that was the thing I used to do when I first moved to Kentucky. If we're out to dinner, a nice dinner, and it's 2011, 2012, 13, 14, <laughs> and George T. Stagg's on the menu for 10 or $15 for a oh pour or two ounce I pour, can't imagine that. I'm drinking it, and yeah. I did that many times, and so I got a flavor for that. I have some bottles that we'll review eventually that I have stocked away, but this actually drinks like you know one of those bourbons does, mm-hmm. which is a huge tribute to what they're doing over there because I don't typically like the Beam catalog enough to say like I'm going to have ten bottles of Knob Creek or I'm yeah. going to have I'm going to buy any of the Bookers. I think I made did I pass on Bookers? I can't remember. I may have said either try or pass. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I, too hot. Too yeah, much. I think. I can't remember if I passed or, or passed or tried on that because of the heat. But yeah. this is a completely different animal. And I was kind of excited, you know, given this is a beam product, mm-hmm. that they have large volume that they output. Mm-hmm. And that if this actually can sit on the shelves for a little bit, yeah. then, you know, this is a great alternative. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that's also enticing to me about Jim Beam is the whole story that they always sell about family, right? right. And how much family means to them. I don't feel like that's a fake thing. I feel like they're living it. And the reason why I know that is because of a recent story. Did you hear about the story back in, I think it was around November involving the master distiller, Fred? No, I have not. Okay. Well, so kind of interesting thing. Let me lead with this one. So I work at UK. Um, I think people know that. If they don't know it, it's my employer. Oh, well. Go listen to another episode. <laughs> yeah, go listen to another episode where we talk about it. So anyway, um, UK has got a huge medical center there. And, you know, a lot of great doctors, nurses, and, and staff that take care of people. So interestingly, um, talking about all this, kind of a shock to me. So what happened was, is Fred No apparently you know, was afflicted by diabetes like a lot of Americans. And it was starting to cause problem with one of his kidneys. And so he goes over, I don't even know where he went, but he went to clinic and who does he go and see by chance? A guy by the name of Dr. Malay Shaw, who is a transplant surgeon at UK. And, and a big fan of the show. <laughs> now, hopefully a big fan of the show. I don't know that to be the case. He maybe he could have never listened to us. I don't know. So anyway, I do from time to time uh, talk to Malay. And I was shocked because he's actually a bourbon lover. And it says that in a news article as well. And I knew that about him prior to that, of course. But so here we go. Where else in Kentucky can you find the fact that you have a world-renowned master distiller who's afflicted by this? Uh, his kidney going bad, and then he walks into a clinic and finds uh, a person who's going to help eventually transplant a kidney for him that ends up being a bourbon lover. And even more cool than that is the fact that who did he get the kidney from? Do you know who he got the kidney from? Who? Her last name is escaping me right now, but it's uh, a plant worker. Has worked for Jim Beam for 25 years, a plant manager of Deanne. No kidding. Um, so yeah, she when she heard that he needed a kidney, she like came forward immediately, ended up being a match. And then, of course, Dr. Shaw goes over and works his magic. And now Fred No has a new kidney and hopefully can be living uh, quite a longer life and um, you know continue to make great bourbon. So how about that? That whole story was the perfect example of the circle of life. I know, right? It was it's crazy. <laughs> but I, I think the reason why I wanted to bring it up is because not just because it involves someone that I happen to know who, who I'm, I'm friendly with. It's great because I think that thing I talked about, the orientation that Beam sort of has toward family is not a fake thing. I can tell you right now, I've worked in many different companies and I don't know that in, in some other companies, you're going to see workers coming so, forward to, here, to take, offer take kidneys <laughs> for, uh, for, for anybody for under, under any circumstances. That was tremendous that she did that for, for Fred. And then of course that, uh, you know, the, the ultimate tw- plot twist is that the transplant surgeon being a bourbon lover. So, and with that, thanks for listening to this week's edition. Please like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Mashup KY. Also, let us know your thoughts and spot on the comment section. Until next time, keep it neat. <laughs>